Hello there. Welcome to Oblivious Maximus for another week. Um, <clears throat> for this week, my guest is Chris Mills, a very good friend of mine. Chris plays drums in a band called Harm's Way, who I've had the pleasure of touring with a couple times now, both with my band I Exist and just by being a lackey and driving them around. But um, yeah, Chris has some really interesting stories about music and he has a really interesting relationship with music and his personal life as well and I thought it'd be something cool to share with people. Uh, again, uh, I guess one of the mandates for this podcast was trying to make the conversations go a little bit more in depth than people might see with uh, people from bands if those are the people who I'm talking to and I think I really got that out of this one. Um Obviously, like with the episode I did with Colin from Twitching Tongues, this uh, podcast was done over FaceTime, so there's some patchy audio quality here and there, and there's some little cuts here and there that you might hear where I had to split the conversation up a little bit, but I think for the most part it should come out pretty well. The conversation was good, and it was fun talking to Chris about these sort of things. Um, So yeah, that's all I have to say about the episode for now. Uh, Just real quick... I wanted to uh, say thank you, as I have been doing recently, for all the people that have been checking this out. It's been so awesome seeing uh, people from like totally different places around the world listening to this thing. Um, it's you know it's awesome that people from Australia are listening to it. I really appreciate everyone in Australia getting involved and uh, supporting the podcast and by listening to it and sharing it around the way they have. But you know, thanks as well to people in the US that are listening to it, people in Indonesia, Canada, Germany, the Philippines, Japan. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, on that note as well, if anyone has anything they would like to share with me, please don't hesitate to go to our Twitter, our Facebook, or to our website that's got a contact page and let me know. If you want me to talk to someone, tell me who you think I should be talking to. Is there someone super interesting? I don't care if I don't know. So far, I've only really spoken to people I'm friends with, but that's because that's how this is starting. I'm happy to talk to anyone. If you want to talk to me, send me an email. Tell me why you should talk to me. You might be a really interesting person, okay? I might not have met you yet. Let's figure this shit out together, guys. Come on. Anyway. um, Yeah, get in touch. Let me know how you think it's going. Tell me if I'm doing something shit and how I can fix it because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just winging it. And I'm having a great time doing it. Um, other than that, listen to I Exist, I guess. I don't know. I Exist is playing shows soon. We've got some in Canberra. We're going to have some in New South Wales. It's going to be fun. Um, go to the I Exist Facebook to check those things out. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'll stop talking for now. This is episode 7 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with Chris Mills from Harm's Way. Enjoy. Brutal. podcast hello glad to be here awesome um all right well so i started off all the other ones talking to people about how they initially uh sort of found music or how music first started impacting on their lives so how would that be for you 
Yeah, well, I always grew up in a very kind of uh, musically informed family. Like, I was always surrounded with music from as far back as I could remember. Like, my mom loved the Beatles and, and Bob Dylan, and yep. my dad was always super big into, like, Sabbath and Pink Floyd and Motorhead and all that kind of stuff. So um, I was always kind of, like, surrounded with pretty cool music uh, off the bat. Um but um, it, I guess when music really started becoming like a larger part of my life and actually garnered some meaning for me was probably um, around the time like I was like 11, 12 years old and I started getting into like punk and hardcore. And that was um, through my brother. He yeah. kind of showed me a bunch of stuff. You know, he, he realized I was like kind of getting into punk through, you know, Blink-182 and you know, Green Day and yeah. bands like Rage Against the Machine. And he's like, oh, maybe you would like this stuff too. It's a little more authentic and, and, and real and aggressive. And, um, you know, he showed me Minor Threat and the Bad Brains and Chromags and all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, Black Flag and Descendants. And it was kind of kind of just took off um, from there. I just was kind of exposed to it and then kind of sought out more like kind of punk and hardcore and independent bands on my own. Um, so was, were those things just, were those things things that sort of like instantly clicked for you, or did that take a while to progress from um, Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two and things like that, or was it sort of like something that shocked you into it? Um, no, I mean it was it was like pretty it was it was pretty quick. I mean, like partially, like I felt like I needed to like it because my cooler older brother liked it. Yeah, <laughs> but then. <laughs> Um, it just, it just like spoke to me, you know, yeah. like, I remember like getting like the Descendants, um, summary and like those lyrics were just like real, real, you know, like, and they like spoke to me and spoke to my life and like, um, yeah, it, it just, it just, just totally clicked, um, pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, th 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 there wasn't really a, a gap, you know? Yeah. So was there like, uh, as, along with your cool older brother, was there like, uh, a culture of that sort of music in the school that you went to or something as well that sort of supported that interest? Oh, absolutely not. I was, I was definitely kind of like <laughs> one of, one of, one of the only ones. And then, um, I was, I was kind of like the person to get my friends into that stuff as well, you know, yeah, telling right. them that they were posers for liking Blink-182 and being <laughs> like, Oh yeah, like, you know, you should check out Grill Biscuits instead. And like, you know, no effects is way cooler, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was kind of like, like the catalyst for, for, for getting like a bunch of my friends, you know, kind of into punk and, and hardcore stuff. But yeah, I was, I was kind of on my own for a bit there, you know, like seventh, eighth grade was, 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 was pretty difficult. And I was like in this, you know, transitional phase from like, you know, sports being like my main thing in life to like, you know, starting to play guitar and drums and then like music becoming like my thing. And then like being a punk, it was like my, you know, kind of soul identity, Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and, and that was, and, and that was kind of like a a harder jump to make than I thought at the time, but it definitely like gave me thick skin and I don't know, just kind of validated, you know, all these reasons why I liked punk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So playing music came uh, around a similar time as you started getting into this stuff. Was that something that inspired your, uh, like initial foray into music or was, um, music performance already a part of you before that? No, it, it kind of came with like getting, kind of into that kind of music um yeah. it, it was it was like it was like kind of coincidence but also like 
I was inspired, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, listening to that kind of music and, um, it just seemed a lot more, you know, playable than like Joe Satriani. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like some, yeah, you know, like it just seemed more playable and, and doable. And like, you know, the people who were playing the music had like cool personalities and stuff and, yeah. and were, you know, mean and, and gritty and independent, you know? So that just kind of like drove me, you know? And, yeah. um, it was, it was also through my brother that I, I started playing drums and just, you know, he taught me bass early on, you know? So it, it all kind of, kind of came together all at once, you know? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, um, despite that you were somewhat of an outsider then at school, was there an element of music at school that you were involved with? No, I, 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 you know, I wanted to join like the school band, um, early on, but it just, it was like, you know, I, I came, I grew up in like a working class family. Like my parents worked, you know, pretty crazy hours and, 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 you know, you know, pretty long days. So like, I really didn't have like people to like, kind of like pick me up and drop me off, you know, at like the, I needed to, to like, to like do school band, you know, like I really wanted to play like drums or I wanted to do like trumpet or something. And Mm -hmm. it just like, didn't necessarily like work out just because of like kind of scheduling conflicts. So I wasn't as involved as like I wanted to be, but, um, you know, the minute I kind of had like my own, and I was given a drum set, but, you know, or kind of borrowed a drum set and kept it. But, the, like, you know, the minute I had, like, my own drums and, like, a bass, you know, like, I, it's, like, I dedicated so much time to it. You know, I would come home from school and just go straight to the garage and start playing drums, you know, and just yeah. playing through punk records, you know. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And that's kind of just, like, how I taught myself, you know. Yeah, cool. So, um, when did you start sort of... Uh, finding other people to play music with when was when was the point where it went from just you sort of jamming at home in your garage to finding sort of like-minded people to play with i uh in my middle school um i had i had like been told that there were like a couple kids who i like i i sort of knew but weren't friends with who were like playing blink 182 covers and like and yeah sort of playing Blink 182 covers and i think they played at some school event that I I was at. Yeah. I remember thinking like, man, their drummer is awful. He sucks. <laughs> he can't play fast at all. <laughs> like he's yeah. so bad. So like that happened. And of course, like in my mind, I'm just like, oh, they're just posers anyway. Like yeah. I'm going to two covers. Like <laughs> you were well into them. deeper hardcore yeah. by this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, in, in the back of my mind, I was just like pure jealousy because they were playing punk music and sure. I had no one to play punk music besides my brother at the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> But um, some somehow like I started talking to them and they um, I remember I I jammed with with one of them this kid named Al I believe and I was just like here are my chops you know and we yeah. jammed and we were playing like some, some songs like some MXPX songs or something like that and mm-hmm. he's just like oh my gosh like you can play fast. And, <laughs> you know, no one was playing fast at that time, you know, like, yeah. you know, kids are either doing like drumline or like, you know, at Rosal music, you know, trying to do stupid drum covers, you know? Sure. So he was kind of like, Whoa, this is so cool. So they, uh, <clears throat> they eventually like just kicked out their drummer to have me play drums in their Blink-182 cover band. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, through that, I was like, Yo guys, this is this is what punk is. This is what hardcore is. You need to listen to this and this and that and da da da. And um, I kind of showed them more and more stuff, and they eventually got into a lot of that stuff um, for you know for a few years. But um, 
you know, a, a friendship with, with, uh, with my friend Bo kind of grew out of that, that first band who sure. I currently still play music with yeah. to this day in, in harm's way. So, um, it's funny. We kind of reflect on that story from, from, from time to time. And, um, yeah, so that was like kind of like the first band we all started kind of playing in together. But um, after that, like when I went to high school and, you know, it was kind of like an intermeshing of a lot of other schools, I, I was told that there was this 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 horror punk band called The Bullets yeah. <laughs> and that they needed a drummer. And, you know, I fucking love The Misfits and Sam Hain yeah. at the time, you know, and um, I remember finding like their singer on AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> And I was just like, hey, I love horror punk. Like, TSOL is sick. The Misfits are sick. Yeah. We should jam sometime. And they needed a drummer at the time. So I went over to his mom's house and we jammed songs. And it was great. It was, it was, you know, we just played a bunch of Misfits covers that I just knew off the top of my head. And later that night, we went and saw Cheap Trick. So Fuck was, yeah. a friendship kind of grew out of that. What a good night. <laughs> yeah. So those are kind of like, and that was kind of like the first real band. No, I don't want to say real, but it was like kind of the first band I did that had their own songs, you know, sure. even though we covered like half the Misfits catalog. But yeah. that was... <laughs> they were taking but influence. Yeah, was... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas before, like the first band Bo and I did, it was just more like a, a cover band, but, you know, we we're also 12. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> so, when did, like, when did you and Bo sort of start making music together? Uh, that wasn't Blink-182 covers, then where did that go from for you guys? So that started shortly. Um, so I was a freshman in high school, and I was playing in the Bullets, and then Bo, like the following year, I was a sophomore, and Bo came into my high school as a freshman, and um, we just, yeah, we, we started playing other music together like that year, and um, it was like me me, Bo, and a couple other kids that I had met through through high school. And we just started kind of, I brought my drums over to his mom's house and we were just kind of jamming songs in his mom's garage. And um, eventually like a youth crew band kind of grew out of out of that called uh, Double Crossed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's when we all started kind of getting into to, to Straight Edge and, and Youth of Today and like all the rev bands. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like kind of the stuff we wanted to play at the time. So that's when kind of like Straight Edge took over our lives yeah, right. <laughs> and our circle of friends, you know. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I mean that, that, that's really when we all started kind of like actually writing our own songs and kind of had a little bit of a, a vision for the kind of band we wanted to do. Sure. So, well, let's touch on that before we go further with the music stuff. But so, how old were you when Stratage sort of became uh, something that you took interest in, and then you know an ideology that you felt to subscribe to as well? Um, probably like around thirteen. Yeah, you know, like, um, I remember, like I said, like my brother showed me like Minor Threat and Gorilla Biscuits and stuff like that, and he was just kind of like, yeah, like this, these bands like don't do drugs and stuff, they don't drink, and I was like that's really, really cool. And like yeah. around that time, like a lot of my circle of friends was like, we're getting into like smoking pot and, sure. you know, drinking and stuff like that. And, you know, I had kind of had some, kind of like some experiences like amongst my family members that really turned me off kind of to that kind of like, like to that lifestyle. And I sure. really had no interest in, in engaging in that stuff. Cause I kind of grew up really fast cause I, I was exposed to, 
a lot of a lot of things growing up, you know, through other people's choices. So um, I just like, yeah, I just really didn't have any, I, I didn't, you know, I had no interest in that. And like straight edge was just, it just seemed so cool, you know, like sure. and, and something I could kind of cling on to when I was kind of having friends drop like flies around me, you know? So um, right. probably like around like yeah thirteen. I mean, I, I probably took it more seriously like when I went into high school when I was like fourteen, yeah. and just a lot of that stuff was like way more way more present. So I actually like experienced peer pressure and I actually experienced all that stuff. So you know, straight edge was a lot more real to me then. You know, it was, and and those a lot more of it was a bigger part of my identity than it had been before. Sure, and I guess I suppose as well when uh, you f- you know found yourself amongst people who also agreed with the ideas and were also sort of um, engaging in it for their own reasons as well. It was probably something that, you know, it was easier to hold up those feelings within yourself when you had other people around you supporting a similar ideal, uh, despite the peer pressure and stuff being there too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like that, that, that stuff kind of became more of my circle of friends, like in high school, you know, and like we all we all were doing it, you know, and, and it was, it was, it was kind of part of our, our circle, you know, and sure. it, it was kind of a way to say like, fuck you to everyone else in our high yeah. school that was like kind of getting involved in that shit. And it made us feel more punk than, um, anything else, you know yeah. what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was, it was, yeah, for sure. It, it, we, we definitely had like that camaraderie built around that ideology and it was kind of continually reinforced by, by others, you know? Yeah, sure. And so, um, so was the, the music, the music obviously reflect, uh, reflected the, you know, the ideology as well that you guys were creating. Um, and was that something that in that, you know, in your first band, that your first band in high school with Bo, was that something that started sort of taking you out beyond high school, like beyond playing within like, the friends of school did that take you to playing shows how did that move on yeah so we started playing shows and it it took a good like year and a half before we realized that there was a hardcore scene yeah right <laughs> like you know outside of kind of roselle where the suburb we grew up in you know sure um so so yeah we started playing shows you know we, we play like the local church and, and we play the local vfw hall and stuff like that and you know we were we were like this punk hardcore band and we were playing with you know the dave matthews cover band of yeah, the yeah. school you know <laughs> and like playing the battle of the bands with you know all the bands that wanted to be you know limp Bizkit at the time you For know sure. so we didn't we didn't necessarily fit but yeah so yeah i mean those are the bands we kind of played with because that's just like the music our high school was producing at the time and then there was us yeah. you know in our circle of friends <laughs> sure. and you know we we played shows with them and and you know by playing those shows there was going to be an issue there's going to be a ruckus and we were like totally okay with that because <laughs> we were you know the holier than thou punk kids you know yeah so um but like you know with that like we um we have like our demo eventually like got out to like some older hardcore guys in in chicago mm-hmm. in the city who who were booking shows and stuff and um and 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 like through that we ended up starting to get offered like oh hey like there's like these young kids playing you know chain of strength covers in the suburbs we should have them on a show sometime and um i actually like ended up putting a show together um like in our suburb of like a lot of like a bunch of local um chicago hardcore bands and and us and yeah, right. we ended up opening that show and like at that show you know we kind of turned some heads i guess you know cuz we were 15 16 year old kids like 
playing cool music at the time and sure. um I met a lot of people through through that one show and that kind of opened the doors for us to start playing more kind of hardcore shows within the city and it exposed us to a lot a lot of hardcore and 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 punk music that we didn't even know really existed so it was yeah, right. honestly a pretty cool thing so from that sort of step was that uh the step that I I guess your band sort of needed to push you guys all to start doing more uh, actively within the hardcore scene outside of just your school as well. Yeah, yeah, ap- yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, like through that, we were able to put out a seven inch, and you know, make really awesome relationships with a lot of really awesome people who are some of my best friends to this day. You know. Yeah. So it it, it was definitely like very instrumental for us in kind of our development as a band, but also like as as people. I feel you know because it really just kind of stretched our network so far, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, it really allowed us to just kind of take like some, some pretty cool steps developmentally. Yeah. Well, I guess, it, and as well, like when you're, when you're of that age and you're playing in bands and stuff and <clears throat> I suppose, I mean, now that I've seen your lovely city and I can feel <laughs> the similarities in the sense that like, I mean, so I guess it's different from where I'm from because it doesn't really have a city to so to speak of. But like, even when you're in the suburbs, away from like a big city, it seems like you're you know you're so far away from uh, like the culture that you I guess are trying to be a part of. Like you know you are the suburbs out there, and like where I am from in Canberra, the difference from that to Sydney is like so enormous. You know, like when in reality as an adult it's not actually that far like it's like right. quite quite similar right. to get to but when you're a kid playing music that's probably you know really a, a huge distance to try and breach you know yeah for sure and you know like when i, I remember like when you know shows would would pop up in the city like you know uh, american nightmare came through or the suicide file came through or Hope conspiracy, you know, like getting our parents to drive us down there was like a huge deal, you know, and just going to a show, going to like what, what we thought was like, you know, a real hardcore show in Chicago was just like such a, a huge deal and such a huge event for us, you know? Yeah. Um, and, it, and it just felt so far, even though it was literally a 35 minute drive, you know, like yeah. not that big of a deal, yeah. you know? And like, we were just so isolated at times too in, in, in Roselle. Um, I mean, there was... There, there was also like a DuPage, like a DuPage hardcore scene, and DuPage is like the county that we grew up in, which was, and it was it was happening like just in Naperville and Darien, Illinois, which was only like you know twenty five minute drive in the opposite direction of us, and sure. we were just yeah we were just so young and so isolated and just like really didn't know what else was out there. You know? Yeah, well that's at a time as well. I guess it's the same for anyone. Where I mean, also the world outside of where you live seems to be just totally out of reach sometimes too. like not just the city but like anywhere right. else seems like you know and i mean i guess for for me it was like insane because all the bands i loved when i was a kid all came from the u.s and europe and like i'd been to those places when i was a little kid but <laughs> imagining ever seeing those bands was like you know insane for me right right yeah i can um, imagine but okay, so uh, from that band, did that band continue through high school for you guys? Was that something that uh, continued afterwards, or did that had that grown into something else by that point? Yeah, so 
yeah, it was called Double Cross, and it, it 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 existed up until pretty much we were like seventeen, eighteen years old. You know, we put out a seven inch. We did some tours. Um, well, not really tours. We did some like weekends eventually when we could drive. Um, sure. <laughs> and you know, like just you know, local states and and yeah. uh, Wisconsin, Indiana, stuff like that. And um, we, you know, we we did it up pretty much up until we graduated, and then out of that band. And kind of like the friendships we made with other kids our age who were going to shows at the time, like in the city, like um, we had a band Few in the Proud that kind of grew out of that. And then I, that grew out of Few in the Proud was actually Harm's Way. Yeah, right. So um, it was all kind of like Double Cross was all kind of like a catalyst for all these other bands that Bo and I would eventually would eventually do. Sure. And so I guess, uh, strictly speaking, Harm's Way as a whole is primarily, or, you know, for the, the time that it has been a band, has primarily been yourself, Bo, and James. Um, right. When did, when was, like, when did you make friendships with James? When did he sort of enter into your life? So, I remember, I think I was 16, and I went, ended up going to, like, a DuPage hardcore show um, mm-hmm. that John Caution invited me to over AOL and the Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, I, I, I hadn't really known John that well, but he was like super into Double Cross and like super into getting us out to shows and, and making friends. And we're all nervous about this stuff, you know. Like, yeah. we, we didn't know anybody, you know. So it was it was a pretty big deal for us. But, um, yeah, it was like the summer that I was, I was, yeah, I was a junior in high school, I was 16, and I went, ended up going to a show and it was um, – in, in DuPage, it mm-hmm. was in, in like kind of like a western suburb of Chicago, and um, I ended up meeting James there, and, and John introduced me to James as Little Wrench, um, <laughs> indicating indicating that he looked like Wrench from Ten Yard Fight. Yep. And funny enough, we were, we were at a Stand and Fight show, which yeah. was the band that they did after t- Ten Yard Fight. It was a Stand and Fight uh, down to nothing show, and I met James at that time, and he totally just like shrugged me off, you know, like in James fashion, <laughs> yeah. thinking I was like probably some poser, you know. But yeah, that was, that's, that was the time I met James. And I think it was about a month or a month and a half later, it was my, it was my birthday. I think it was my like 17th birthday. And um, for some reason, James accompanied another friend um, out to Roselle to kind of like have us all hang out for my birthday. And I think that's when I got like James's seal of approval and we became... <laughs> best buds from from there on out you know yeah and when did when was that that relationship turned into you guys sort of starting to make music together then um a couple months after that like i think few and the proud started pro- like that fall after that summer so yeah. um and it was it was it was through john caution um because he played drums in the band and he kind of organized us all i was playing guitar james was playing bass uh bow I asked Bo to play guitar, so Bo played guitar, um, and then our friend Bernie at the time sang, and that's kind of when we all started getting a little more serious about the music stuff and kind of playing together. So yeah, cool. So when uh, to jump from that, when did Harmsway start as like a you know an idea for you guys, and how did that sort of come about? So Harmsway started probably probably like a year after that um and it it just it started at a few in the proud practice one day and we were just like man it would be really cool to have james kind of sing in this you know hyper aggressive power violence band sure in the vein of like you know 
crossed out and and infest and we're like yeah you know james is like muscly and he looks like the break the chains guy that's on like all those infest shirts so like yeah yeah, we should have him do it and we'll make it super extreme and crazy lyrically and and visually so um that it just like kind of started at a practice and like we pretty much wrote the whole demo like in an hour (laughs) yeah right and uh it was was more so a, a joke at the time though like we weren't serious about it whatsoever and our main focus was viewing the product at the time because i believe we were in the process of of writing an lp and um yeah so harms they just kind of grew out of that and with you know just thinking like oh this is going to be like this this funny kind of outrageous project we're gonna do and we'll play a couple shows maybe you know and it eventually like i said it eventually just like turned into something more real because people seemed to dig it and um yeah that was kind of how it so, took off. So did that sort of end up then taking over the focus and uh, winding down Few and the Proud? Was that the progression for that? Or? Um, not not really. You know, we it was like I said, like the harm's way thing was like a pretty slow progression. Sure. Because um, even like we kept doing Few and the Proud, and even after Few and the Proud broke up, um, after our singer left, we decided to like continue doing the band like all of us and um we we just we changed singers and we started calling it convicted and you know harm's was still a thing at that time but you know convicted was still kind of our primary focus right um so like i said it, it was just like really really slow and um cuz we just we just didn't play out that much but um i remember like i I remember like we decided to do a seven inch and then with the seven inch we're like, okay, like we'll just do like a quick tour. And we ended up doing like a, a quick East coast tour. Um, mm-hmm. and this is when John caution was still in the, John caution still in the band and, and John Hofacker was in the band. And, um, we did like a quick East coast tour and we did this fest. This is for you fest called, this is for you fest in, um, Florida. Yep. And it was like kind of our first time ever playing out. And, um, you know, when James would sing, he, he wore a ski mask at the time. Yeah. <laughs> And um, kind of a picture was taken of him during our set, and you know he was just this muscly freak with a ski mask on that looked <laughs> crazy intimidating, yeah. and who was like hanging from the rafters and acting like a gorilla, you know. Yeah. And that kind of circulated the internet, and it was kind of from there on out, people started paying more attention to the band, and um, people started gaining more interest in the band, and we decided like, oh, let's try and take a shot at this, and we ended up doing an LP, and. I don't know. It just kind of progressed from there and slowly, you know, got larger and larger. Yeah. And so where did... All thanks to a picture. Yeah. (laughs) One that's still being circulated today. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So where did, where did the, like the, obviously there's quite a stark difference in the music for Harm's Way from where it began to now. Um, When did, like the influence uh perhaps for the music that you guys would write when did that sort of start developing um so like kind of like kind of like the 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 move away from power violence and more into like a metallic sound yeah yeah for sure yeah um i don't i mean we all just you know really liked kind of like carcass and, and entombed and napalm death and like kind of you know, kind of more dirtier death metal bands, you know? Sure. And, um, 
after we did our first seven inch in prison, we started writing reality approaches. And at that time, like most of the songwriting was being done by John Caution and James. And they, they kind of had different ideas for what they, they wanted sound wise. And like their, their writing styles were like vastly different, but it was like around then that we were just kind of like, you know, let's, let's try to be more of like a crustier, you know, death metal band and, and still have like, you know, obviously blast parts and this and that. So it was kind of like a conscious effort then. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, it was, it wasn't as focused as when probably the, um, release after reality approaches, which was the no guys, no masters EP. Mm -hmm. And at that time, um, both John's John caution and John Hofecker departed from the band and the, the writing took more of like a centralized focus, um, with James and, um, sort of the sound at that point, you know, and that's when we kind of took that leap into being more of a kind of metallic hardcore band. Sure. So did, um, when, when those other guys left and then the, the focus could sort of be lined up a bit, was that, uh, something that, uh, like was always James's like strong suit within the band, just creating that sort of music? Or was that something that he needed to bounce off you guys to sort of work with or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, James was always a, he would kind of bring the riffs and, and we would kind of, kind of, you know, I guess streamline them a bit more and kind of create the transitions and, and kind of, you know, make them songs together. You know, sure. it wasn't, you know, so I mean, his strong suit is definitely like having a library of riffs in his head. Yeah. But, you know, like we work best when we're kind of formulating these songs together and piecing them. Yeah. you know, together as, a, as like a unit. So, yeah. yeah. And a, as the band has gone on, there's obviously been, uh, other live members and other recording members. Um, has there, like, has it always, have you guys always had the feeling that it's, you know, sort of going to be you three for the most part. And then the other things are sort of, uh, not interchangeable, but, uh, need to move within, the restrictions that you guys have set out for the band? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it slowly became that, you yeah. know? Um, and it, it, it's kind of, it was kind of trial and error. You know, we, 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 we did have members. We didn't have members, you know, and it kind of just came down to the fact that, you know, the decision-making process is kind of best done when it's kind of us three. And, um, you know, we do now have, our, our, our friend Jay yeah. kind of involved in the band, but you know, a, a lot of decision-making kind of does kind of happen amongst us three. And it, it's just, it's a lot easier that way. We kind of noticed, you know, yeah. and, um, cause we all kind of have a, a common vision for the band, sure. um, moving forward, you know, so we can kind of trust each other to kind of make the best decisions and like fall, you know, kind of fall on each other to kind of, you know, know that, each person's kind of making the best decision for the band and, and, and yeah. So it was kind of, like I said, it's just kind of like a trial and error, um, a bit. And then like slowly we just kind of realized, you know, it's kind of works best in, in a smaller circle. Sure. So, all right, well, let's, uh, talk about your new release. Um, yeah. Uh, so how did the writing process and stuff for that start? Was that, obviously it was after, you know, a considerable amount of touring for your, your last record, one such tour of which that my band did with you. 
but um, yeah, that was like obviously you'd played the hell out of the songs from Isolation for quite a while before you got started on this new one. Um, was there like a particular vision or such that you had for this next record? Um, you know, like there wasn't necessarily like a a defined vision like going forward when we started writing, but it it, it kind of slowly came together you know a lot of the a lot of the writing began with um james jay and i just kind of jamming every saturday and mm-hmm. um and kind of demoing songs um and um yeah like you know there's definitely some songs he wrote that didn't necessarily make the cut but you know we kind of wrote a bunch and were able to kind of um kind of kind of like kind of find a a particular sound and kind of theme that was that was kind of resonating in each song that sure. we were able to kind of like kind of handpick and be like all right this makes sense you know on the record like this this is kind of falling in line with with, with what we want and like slowly we kind of did develop that um that that vision and it kind of did take influence like in later stages of the writing process when you know Bo James Jay and I would would kind of get together and 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 write these songs so yeah. um yeah, and like we, you know, it's kind of always been that way with the band. You know, we, 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 we never necessarily like, kind of put forth like any restrictions or or guidelines for you know writing or or a, you know a, an entire record. You know, mm-hmm. um, but we, we just kind of slowly let it kind of come together, and it's kind of worked so so far for us. Yeah, cool. Um, with the new record, I as you know as an outsider i sort of hear uh, a record that's like maybe like a more like tighter and more focused uh, approach to the uh, sound of the release as a whole is that something that was intended or was that something that just sort of like fell into place within the writing and recording process yeah i mean that was definitely intended like mm-hmm this release more than any release, like we, we really took time to write the songs. Like I said, you know, we, we had a, we demoed a, a bunch of stuff and, um, that kind of gave us the opportunity to like, take a step back and look like, okay, like this works, this doesn't work. Yeah. You know, this, this makes sense. This doesn't make sense, you know? So in doing so, it kind of gave us the ability to kind of, you know, look at the entire record as this cohesive piece and, 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 and really try to figure out like, what's going to work and what's not going to work and what's going to make this an entire record opposed to just a record full of songs, you know, that are disconnected. So, um, yeah, that was definitely intended and, um, you know, and we were able to do so just by having, you know, the privilege to, you know, kind of demo stuff over and over and over again um, and kind of sit on those songs for a while and, and just try to really think them through. Yeah. Cool. Um, and how's how was the response to the songs off the record on the tour you guys just did? Um, they were they were great. You know, it was we were kind of like nervous going in. You know, like first tour on a new record. You know, and yeah, um, often like those new songs can can kind of you know put people to sleep because they don't they don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, for the most part, you know, we played a handful of new songs on the record, and um, they went over really really well. Um, some nights better than others, but, um, as a whole, um, they had very, very good responses, especially like the songs that we kind of released prior to the record coming out, you know? So I think they were, that people were able to kind of sit on those a bit more, but, um, as a whole, I mean, 
the tour was great and um there's definitely um a good response for those new songs that's great um so what what do you guys have uh planned for the moment what's the next sort of movements for harm's way next movement so um we'll be heading to europe um in may Mm -hmm. to do both some headline shows and to do some um support shows with uh converge um as as part of this um tour that's called uh, death wish fest yep so it has us and trap them converge and youngin in the way and it should be pretty cool um we're pretty excited it'll be our first time kind of doing more of a kind of larger support tour in Europe. So we're interested to see kind of how that goes. But, you know, like I said, in addition to that, we're going to be doing some, some headline dates um, to, to also support Rust um, while we're over there. So, yeah, awesome. um, yeah, that's kind of on the agenda. And then um, after that, we'll be doing, um, we're in the midst of like putting together kind of a, a summer West Coast tour to support Rust as well. Cool. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of like the next, you know, four to five months for us. Yeah, awesome. Um, all right. Well, wh- one of the other things that I wanted to sort of touch on that, uh, I have been a little bit with other people, but, um, you, uh, of a lot of my friends find yourself in a rather interesting, uh, life and work situation as well as, um, performing in a band, uh, like how I just wanted to see, like, is, is music something that has sort of helped guide you into the career path that you've fallen down was were there things in your musical upbringing that have sort of influenced uh the work you've gone on to do um yeah yeah absolutely um <laughs> it's you know i'm i'm someone who who does social work and counseling and you know i work with people who struggle with addiction and other men- mental health needs and um you know, looking back as, you know, when I was kind of trying to make choices about, about school and a a career, you know, like a helping profession just kind of, you know, made sense to me um, and just, and just kind of, kind of spoke to me. And like the stuff that kind of drove me to that profession is, you know, more of the social justice stuff that, um, I was, you know, getting super into through like punk and hardcore music, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely influenced me and kind of, kind of nudge me in certain ways you know because looking back like i don't think i would have been able to you know do a degree in finance or finish a degree in accounting because it just it did it didn't speak to me you know but you know due to my life experiences and and due to kind of like you know the ethics and 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 kind of vision that comes in punk and hardcore it really kind of helped navigate me and kind of push me into a profession that i felt was kind of meaningful and 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 worthwhile yeah, it's. I mean, I find it really interesting, and in that it's, uh, you know, like an interest that I would say a lot of people who play this music hold. Um, but it's something that a lot of people wouldn't know how to perhaps get into, or uh, maybe have the appropriate skill set within themselves personally to uh, work within such a field. But you know, I think right. I think it's really interesting that. Um, people like yourself and like, uh, uh, like Yelena, who I spoke to last week, sort of, uh, has experience in a similar sort of, uh, life choice. I suppose she's used the reflection of her, um, musical interests and her musical inklings and sort of life experiences have guided her down a path that I think is something that reflects something really good of the scene that she's a part of. And same thing for you. Like it's, it's a, I think it's a good representation of 
the kind of people that do this thing. It's not all just uh, dummies with upside down cross tattoos and stuff, you know. <laughs> like it's there are a lot of people yeah. that are working towards something greater than just, you know, pitting and pissing people off. Yeah, 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 absolutely, 100%. And you know, like for me, like, you know, I got into like Discord and and, and Fugazi like early on and like kind of that stuff and like it was always like a lifestyle for those people. Yeah. You know? It was it was, you know, like watching the instrument documentary. I'm like, you know, this is a lifestyle that they like live and breathe. And it's like reflective in not only the music they do, but, you know, everything else in their lives, you know. And, and that was something I always could see myself kind of also doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So I guess you, I mean, and I don't want to put you on the spot with anything here, but like, I, I suppose... Uh, much like a, I'd say a lot of people find themselves in at some point, uh, I, like I feel like you guys are probably at a bit of a crossroads now where um, things are becoming, you know, relatively serious for your band. And then as well, you have this sort of uh, work home life to depend on as well. Is that uh, is that something that's been difficult for you or is it something that's sort of come along quite easily with your work and with the band? You know, it was definitely you know, difficult at times, like, you know, I finished my master's degree, like, back in June, and I started working kind of right after that, and still kind of balancing music stuff, but um, as of late, uh, I will say that the music thing has kind of taken more of a serious role in all of our lives in the band, um, and we're all kind of taking a bit of a step back from, like, some of our careers mm-hmm. um, to kind of, like, pursue the music thing um, a bit more. You know, but like we were saying earlier, it's, it's, it's for me personally, it's, it's, it's really hard to kind of disconnect the two. Yeah. You know, I like with, with kind of the music and message we have. And then obviously like with the work that I, I, you know, I do, um, it's been really kind of difficult to, to disconnect the two because for me personally, like, um, there's meaning to both of them, you sure. know, and not only for me, but like, you know, the people who consume our music and the people who I potentially pr- provide services to, Sure. you know, so, um, but it, it definitely, you know, was a difficult decision to make, you know, and, um, you know, even when I'm home still, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing outreach work. I'm, 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 I'm working on call at a couple of different clinics, you know, so, um, it's still definitely a big part of my life, you know, yeah. but it's, it's, um, as far as the music thing's concerned, it, it's definitely taken a bigger role and, and moving forward, it's, it's definitely going to kind of formulate into more of a full-time thing for us. Cool. Like, where do you see Harm's Way going from here? Like, obviously you've got these next couple tours planned out, but is there like things in particular that, uh, you or the band feel are things that you need to achieve or is there goals that you guys have set for the future or is it just sort of rolling with it for now? you know it's a little bit of both um we're kind of rolling with it and you know we've we've uh we've had a lot of kind of opportunities arise for us um with the release of rust that we're all kind of um considering at the moment but you know kind of goals moving forward you know we're going to try to do a bit of touring and kind of expanding to kind of different markets and 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 different scenes and just seeing like what else might be out there for us but you know we're kind of taking everything with a grain of salt and just trying to be really particular about what we do and try to make the best kind of decisions for us. But um, like I said, I mean, it's, it's been, this is all pretty new for us, you know, yeah. kind of all the things that are kind of happening for us and we're just 
learning, I guess. Yeah. And it's it's going to be a lot of trial and error, you know. So kind of moving forward, we're definitely going to be kind of dabbling a bit more into the the metal round uh, metal realm and mm-hmm. kind of trying to see uh, what else might be out there for us and try to grow, you know, yeah, in different cool. places other than kind of like punk and hardcore. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's probably a good natural way to move uh, for you guys anyway, because like the music definitely has grown well beyond, I would say, a simple sort of straightforward hardcore band. Obviously, it's like you know, it's definitely right. quite palatable for a lot of different people. So I think that's something that's probably a a good move. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, like while we don't necessarily sound like a hardcore band anymore, you know, it, it's you know, kind of those ethics and those ideals that still um, are the underpinning for this band, you know, so I don't think that'll ever leave us or, no. you know, not anytime soon at least. So, yeah, you know, yeah. but it, like I said, it's going to be like a trial and error for us and just trying to see like what's going to work for us, what's not going to work for us and always trying to kind of keep in, in, in the foresight kind of this, this goal of, you know, just trying to grow, you know. Cool. All right, man. Well, um, let's not do this for too much longer because it's going to fucking annoy the shit out of both of us um but yeah do you have do you have anything you know final you would like to advertise or promote or sort of discuss um nothing in particular (laughs) that i can really think of um maybe just give a shout out to some of my favorite australians go on (laughs) You know, uh, Death Grip Records, uh, you know, Josh, Claire, I Exist, Aaron Osborne being the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Legions, you know, just Adrian Kelly, just a lot of great people over in that part of the world, and uh, we love it there, and hopefully we'll be back soon. Fuck yeah. All right, man. Well, um, I'll thank you for doing the podcast, and of course, it was a real pleasure to have a chat with you. Um, all right, I'm going to end things for this podcast here. Thanks. Cool. Listen to I Exist. Brutal. Okay. Before this thing finishes up, I realized two things. In the episode with Yelena and in this episode with Chris, I totally forgot to give them the top five question that I'd been giving other people. This was an oversight. I got too involved with the conversation and forgot to involve a silly interview type question. However, because I want to keep this going, because I like the idea of offering people a top five of something, I am going to give my own top five of something, just to tide you guys over, because I know you all love it so much. My top five for the last two episodes that I'm combining is my top five I Had God records. Let me tell you why I'm doing a top five I Had God records. They only have five records, and they're all fucking awesome. So here they are. Number one, Take As Needed For Pain. Don't be a dummy. Go listen to it. It's the best fucking record. Number two, Dope Sick. I don't know. It's also fucking awesome. I exist recorded a record with Billy Anderson who recorded it. That was insane. Number three, In the Name of Suffering because it was their first record. They were groundbreaking with that shit. Go pay attention. Go listen to it. It's got a green cover. You'll find it. Number four, their most recent record, self-titled I Had God. The last record to feature... The incomparable Joey Lacaze, a fantastic person who unfortunately is no longer with us, but he played drums on that record and it's fucking great. Go listen to it. Rest in peace. And finally, Confederacy of Ruined Lives. 
That's number five, but it's not bad. There's only five records to pick from. It's awesome. You know why? Because I hate God. Check out Jackass in the Will of God. It's one of the best songs ever written. It's got one of the best riffs in it. You'll enjoy that shit. Anyway, I'm Aaron. Sorry for talking about I hate God. Love you. Peace.